Hello, everyone. My name is Wendy Myers. You are listening to the Live to 110 podcast. This is my dog, Jezebel, for you guys who are watching the video. Thought she'd just make a little cameo appearance, uh, appearance today. She's my little pet, uh, Pomeranian. Um, but today we are going to be talking about copper dysregulation on the podcast. This is part two of a two-part podcast. I did this podcast with Morley Robbins, who's our guest today, and it was such a, an interesting subject, and I had so many questions that it ended up being two hours. So we split this podcast up into two parts, so be sure before you listen to this podcast, part two, listen to part one of copper dysregulation. Um, Morley Robbins believes that most health issues stem from copper dysregulation in the body, which is basically caused by adrenal fatigue. And we're going to be going over uh, many, many aspects of how this happens, why it happens, and how you can correct it. Um, but first, I have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatments today that we suggest on the show. I highly recommend you try one of our new products we have in the store, the Lib to 110 store called Glutenza. It's an amazing product that helps to pulverize gluten proteins. It also helps to break down soy and corn, uh, dairy, and other proteins that can be problematic for those with food sensitivities. And I use it as a tool when I go out to eat. You don't always know if there's gluten in the food or if there's a, there's a few crumbs of gluten coming from preparing other foods that just happen to contain contaminate your food. And for those with gluten sensitivity like myself, that can uh, cause a reaction in your body, an immune reaction, and drain your energy, drain your immune system, etc. So Glutenza is a, a cutting-edge unique product, and that's something that I use in my arsenal to help to to uh, break down gluten proteins and other um, uh, proteins that are problematic. Uh, it also contains probiotics and prebiotics that assist in uh, improving your gut health, which will also help to break down gluten. It's just an amazing product, and I'm recommending it now to all my clients. So definitely uh, check that out. It's at store.liveto110.com. Our guest today is Morley Robbins. He is the founder of the Magnesium Advocacy Group, which can be found at gotmag.org. Mr. Robbins has a mainstream medical industry background. Morley has, was a hospital executive and consultant for 32 years, but left to become a wellness coach and health practitioner. Mr. Robbins has completed the Wellness Coaches Training Certificate as well as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition Training. And he also has a BA in biology and an MBA in hospital administration, healthcare administration. Morley is an expert on minerals. We talked on a previous podcast about magnesium. Obviously, he loves magnesium. His website is called the Magnesium Advocacy Group. But copper is a very important mineral as well. So now for today's podcast on copper dysregulation, part two. Let's talk about copper toxicity now, the flip side. Um, can you explain, um, you know, what are the symptoms and health conditions specifically related to copper toxicity? Yeah, you're going to have, see, that, that, that's a great question. Um, the, 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 at the risk of confusing folks, I think that what's masked in all copper toxicity are three 
deficiencies. Copper toxicity will, by its very nature, lead to a zinc deficiency because there's a there's a, an appropriate balance between zinc and copper in the in the body. And when there's too much copper, there will be a relative deficiency of zinc, and that will affect digestion, that will affect the immune response, that will affect a lot of, of skin issues that are from a, too little uh, zinc relative to the amount of copper in the body. So that's the first deficiency. The second deficiency is that, in fact, the copper toxicity creates copper deficiency because of the lack of the protein, ceruloplasm. And so there's these high levels of, of unusable copper, and there are very, very low levels of usable copper, all for lack of that um, protein. And so that copper metabolic deficiency of copper then leads to iron deficiency. And so the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that people fixate on the copper toxicity and the um, issues of like depression or ADD or, um, you know, the, the real mechanism behind leaky gut is excess copper. It punches a hole in the tissue. That, that's how destructive it can be. You know, it, this isn't rocket science where leaky gut came from. It came mostly, probably came from the antibiotics that people took because they had some immune imbalance caused by the mineral imbalance that preceded it. But the point is, we've been conditioned to believe that there's copper toxicity, when in fact I think it's it's hiding and, and masking some very important deficiencies of zinc, copper, and iron in the body. And some people have all three. Some people just have one. And that's the, that's the amazing thing is why does one person express their, their copper issue with, with just one dimension versus all three of zinc, copper, and iron being out? And I, I can't explain that. But I think the, the, the copper toxicity is also um, the state of a lot of people get into what's called a wired and tired state where their mind can't shut down, but they're exhausted in their body. And that's probably the most notable um, symptom that people have from, from copper toxicity. It's just that wired and tired feeling. Um, a lot of liver congestion. People are always talking about doing a liver detox or, or they've got, people might have heard the expression, uh, liver shiners. They've got these dark circles under their eyes. Well, that's actually a result of uh, a buildup of biounavailable copper and iron in the liver. And it expresses itself as those dark circles under the eyes. Again, that's from too much unbound copper that's preventing the, 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 um, the liver to produce the, the, um, the protein that it needs. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And so what test do you do to determine copper toxicity? Because it's, it's not so simple. It's very complex. It's not as simple as a hair mineral analysis or just any one blood test. Uh, but what, what specific tests do you use to determine if someone is copper toxic? 
uh, it's a combination of the hair test with the blood test, and I look at the zinc to copper ratio. I look at the absolute level of copper, and I look at the absolute production of ceruloplasm. I also take into account to what extent is iron an issue. And then I, my intake form is designed so there's a way to discern what copper enzymes aren't working. And that gives me a sense of to what extent am I dealing with a toxicity issue versus a deficiency issue or both. Yeah. And that's the dilemma that people can have. They can manifest both. <clears throat> they might have toxicity in their brain and deficiency in the body, or there may be the inverse of that. And one of the things that I, I failed to mention that, that I think is important, particularly for some of the younger uh, listeners, is that one of the most important jobs of their mom in the last trimester, uh, and this is in a perfect world, but one of the most important jobs of the mom is to infuse the uh, fetus's liver with 10 to 20 times more copper and iron than they're going to carry as an adult. And that's the mom's job, is because the, the breast milk of the human doesn't have a lot of copper and iron in it. This is true of all mammals. It's not just humans. But the breast milk of, of mammals does not have a lot of copper and iron. And so the body bulks up the liver. And then what's supposed to happen in a, in a perfect world is the baby pops out on their birthday, and the adrenals wake up and say, hey, you better start making some of that ceruloplasm thing and start moving this copper and iron out so that, that the tissues in the brain and the liver and the kidney and all over can start to grow because copper and iron are really important for growth issues. That's in a perfect world. Yeah, I, I saw, just on a side note, when I was pregnant, I could not stop eating goose liver pate or foie gras. I could not stop eating it. Because <laughs> my body just naturally craved it. And unfortunately, in California, luckily this is happened after my pregnancy, but Arnold Schwarzenegger outlawed the production of foie gras in California. <laughs> that's, a of, that's a lot of copper that was going in. Yeah. Uh, but So that's in a perfect world. In the real world, most moms are stress cadets. And they tap into the adrenals of their infants. Mm. And... There's, there, the, the placenta is a major organ for minerals. And second only to the liver, the placenta is the highest concentration of copper in the woman's body. And so mom's stressed out, tapping into the adrenals of the baby. On the baby's birthday, they pop out. And they look more like Benjamin Buttons. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have the adrenal juice to signal the liver to say, it's okay to make that ceruloplasm. And so they start out life with this bolus of copper and iron that doesn't get moved out as efficiently as it should because it needs to be moving out over that first year of life. Yeah. That's one of the key metabolic tasks of the infant in that first year of life is to be moving the copper and iron out so that, that the body can grow properly. And when that can happen, it's very disruptive. And I think what we're witnessing now is this uptick of jaundice, uptick of all sorts of, of um, digestive issues, kids that are being given proton pump inhibitors as infants. Are you serious? And all that's because of excess copper 
overwhelming the zinc that's needed to make the, the um, stomach acid. And so there's, there's all sorts of, of metabolic dysregulation that goes back to where mom is in their, their role as uh, being the mineral transfer from the placenta to the baby. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of this imbalance there that's taking place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I know I test a lot of babies and they have, uh, some of them are born with adrenal fatigue issues. Sure. Absolutely. It's sad. Because they're, they're wiped out. They're, their mom is wiped out. And how can you expect? One of the great lies of society is that babies are born perfect. No. They're, apples don't fall far from trees. So if the mom's a mess, how could you possibly expect the baby to be okay? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Also, correlation when I test a lot of mothers and their their children, their tests are very very similar, and it happens over and over and over. They both have really high copper or really high other mineral levels. It's very interesting. And when I, and when I'm doing, I do that myself. And when I do that test, I always have the mom compare their mineral profiles to their children, and they're shocked. They go, "Oh my gosh." They're just a mini me, and I said that's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the baby cannot get minerals the mom doesn't have, and it gets the heavy metal and chemical toxicity the mother has as well. That's right. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about the complex issue of diagnosing copper dysregulation because it's not as simple as going to your doctor and getting a copper blood test. If it's high or low, then that determines whether you have copper deficiency or toxicity. Doesn't work that way. Um, can, and we touched on it a little bit, uh, with, you know, each corresponding deficiency and toxicity of copper. Can you talk a little bit about, just give us a, a whole overview of how complex it is to, uh, diagnose, so to speak, someone that has copper dysregulation? Yeah, well, it, it's tricky because there's, um, there's symptoms that surface from what we would be, what we would be trained to call hormone imbalance, but you and I know it as uh, zinc and copper imbalance because it takes copper to make the enzyme to make estrogen and it takes zinc to make the enzyme work to make progesterone. And there's all sorts of, of dynamics around that. And people have been conditioned to believe that their hormone imbalance is caused by hormones when in fact it's caused by an imbalance of zinc and copper. And then there's some classic signs of just pure copper dysregulation, like the inability to lose weight, or having low blood sugar, or chronic uh, UTIs, or craving carbohydrates, or acne, or having an inventive mind, or high blood pressure, or constant headaches, especially migraines. Migraines and histamine intolerance and zinc, copper, B6 are are all basically the same thing. Migraines are really traced back to histamine intolerance. Uh, sensitivities to chronic yeast issues, uh, ADD, um, um, being, you know, one of the things that people have to be aware of is that if they are vegetarian or vegan, they're going to have a greater likelihood of having copper issues just because of the nature of the food. Because animal food has more zinc in it so there's more of a zinc-copper balance. Vegetable food doesn't have the zinc. So you're getting a much higher concentration of copper, which is going to lead to more imbalance. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit in pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds, but how many of those can you eat? <laughs> you can't eat enough. And That's it's right. not, and it's not the bioavailable forum. It's more desirable by the body. Exactly. So I think that the key is that, that <clears throat> it's, it sounds a little bit unbelievable, but, um, the vast majority of people's problems are going to trace their way back to copper dysregulation. And what got them there was some stressor that resulted in a breakdown in the production of ceruloplasm in the liver. And that sounds really simplistic, but the more I study it, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's why everyone's so sick. They're all stressing out. You know, our bodies are just not meant for modern life. And people, they have to slow down. They have to say no. They have to take back their activities. They can't exercise six days a week and put and eat this horrible fast food diet. It creates all these stressors, and uh, it just people have to to, to get back to uh, a more simple lifestyle. And it's extremely hard for people to do, especially health professionals like myself. <laughs> Well, sure. You know. we, we, live in a, we live in a Starbucks crazed world. Yeah. What does is, what is coffee do? Brings in a lot of copper, which stimulates us beyond belief. So we live in we live in a hyper stimulated, hyper sympathetic environment where we think it's normal to drive to work, eating our breakfast, listening to the news, checking our emails while putting on our eye makeup, and that's considered normal. Yeah. That's not normal. It's very, it's very fatiguing for the body. Yeah, hunter gatherers work a seventeen-hour work week. Or yeah, it's just seventeen hours. That's they didn't work that much, and the rest of the time is spent relaxing with their families, etc. So oh. our our bodies are just not cut out for forty to sixty-hour work weeks, eating stimulants all day long. Right, and the, and the thing and what we're craving are the foods that are typically <clears throat> when copper is available in the body, you don't have the cravings that we typically have. You don't have the cravings for sugar and caffeine. You just don't need them. Yeah. Because the body is naturally producing energy. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of my clients that are having trouble losing weight or they're gaining weight really easily and their their you know, their willpower, so to speak, is out of control. They can't stop stuffing their face with sugar and carbs. I've been there before myself. And it's you know, biology will always trump willpower. You're not weak, you just don't have the minerals your body needs to function. So naturally you're going to crave energy inducing substances like sugar. Uh, processed grains, cookies, crackers, etc., and coffee and other stimulants or drugs, even stimulating drugs to get you to feel better. Everyone just wants to feel better, and the body will biologically naturally drive people to to behaviors that make them feel better. Right. The, the body is designed for homeostasis. Yeah. It's a fancy word for balance. And when you feed the body the, the nutrients that it needs, the the, the minerals amino acids and the essential fatty acids it knows exactly what to do and and, the, and the, the prime part of the body that basically runs the body is called the hypothalamus well it's a very mineral rich part of the brain but the two most important minerals are magnesium and copper and it's it's no accident that they that they need that they need that yeah and so, uh, so 
listeners, any of you who are interested in finding out uh, if you have copper dysregulation, both Morley and myself, uh, there's there's a handful of other practitioners, not that many of us, um, uh, do hair mineral analysis and blood testing um, to figure out copper dysregulation in the body. Because like I said, it's not as simple as just doing one blood test or maybe two to make that determination. You have to use blood test, hair mineral analysis, and look at people's symptoms in addition to make that determination. Uh, and so now that you've established that you have copper toxicity or copper dysregulation, copper deficiency, etc., how do you fix it? How do you, that's what people want to know. How do I fix this mess? Um, so what kind of uh, program do you put your clients on with as far as well, foods or supplementation? I know they're screwed. Once, they, once they've got it, <laughs> they've got it for life. That's too bad. I just, I just diagnose it and I just leave them. You know? <laughs> Um, no, it's, that's the tricky part. When I got, when I first got into this, uh, earlier this year, actually it was like February of this year. So I'm, I'm only not even a year into this. It feels like the longest year of my life was trying to learn more about copper. But when I got in, I, I, I bought the copper is bad and I, I was bulking people up on, excuse me, on zinc. Yeah, I was too. And, and then, oh my God creating all sorts of copper deficiency. And uh, it took me about three or four months to figure that out. But my focus is not to worry about the copper, but to worry, really, not even to worry about it, but to focus on the liver and making sure that people are not doing those four things that are so bad for the liver production of ceruloplasm, making sure they're not taking um, vitamin D, making sure that they're not eating uh ascorbic acid or high fructose corn syrup and making sure that they are bringing their stress patterns back into balance. And, and one of the things that I do for, for every client that I work with is recommend emotional freedom technique to make sure that they are letting go of their emotions because the uh, unresolved emotions are what trigger mineral loss. And the state of helplessness and hopelessness is the most damaging of all. And people have these these uh, wiring patterns from traumatic events, and they don't let go of them. Well, EFT will help them let go of them. So I, I really encourage people to do that as a way to bring that stress profile down and allow the magnesium to restore its yeah, I, I find that incredibly interesting. It's one of my New Year's resolutions, actually, is to find an EFT practitioner and uh, engage in that and do some releasing. <laughs> I think that's a very important emotional detox. It really is. It's a, it, it's it's a so it's the reason why people struggle with it is it's too simple. Yeah, yeah. But it but it really works. Um, so I start there, and I make sure that they are getting uh, good sources of. Um, retinol in their diet, that it's either cod liver oil or making sure that they're eating a, a very um, rich diet of essential fat, excuse me, um, fat-soluble protein, um, and making sure that the uh, intake of whole food vitamin C is significant, like upwards of 500 to 800 milligrams a day, um, and that they are Taking a bee complex, which is very important. Uh, the bees are, are really key to the liver uh, production, particularly 
B2 and biotin are very, very important. And there's a very uh, key role that that um, B2 plays in helping to balance copper and iron in the liver. So I, I'm not entirely sure what riboflavin does, but it, I just know from the literature. And um, making sure that they've got um, a good source of boron that they're getting, because boron plays a, a role in um, ceruloplasm production. I always tell my clients to eat uh, prunes that are very high yeah. in boron. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great, it's great, um, great source of them. And um, I think on occasion, like maybe maybe once a year, to do a, uh, a liver detox. Although I think people tend to overdo their detoxes. I, I think that there's a, a knee-jerk reaction that as soon as people don't feel well, well, I've got to do a, a, a liver detox. But in fact, the, the liver's job is to detox. That's what it's designed to do. And I think there's a lot of manual overrides for a, a naturally functioning organ. But I think that the key is making sure that they are, are um, properly supporting the, the liver. The other thing that I've been reading more about is homeopathic uh, intervention. And that apparently... Um, there's a, a homeopathic called cuprum metallicum, and that that helps uh, individuals who are having copper issues. I've not done a lot of work with it. I'm just reading about it now, but I certainly would throw that out there as that's another possibility. I know in, with clients who are having difficulty with magnesium, where there's almost like a resistance to magnesium, I, I encourage them to use the homeopathic magphos, magnesium phosphorica, and it has a magical effect of, of reinviting magnesium back into the body. Mm. So cuprum metallicum may be another uh, key agent in helping the body to reacquaint itself to proper copper regulation. Do you like uh, herbs like milk, milk thistle extract, like silmarin? Well, sure. I mean, it's, but, but I think that um, everything in moderation I think what people tend to do is they, they they don't trust their liver, and so they constantly are bombarding it. But in fact, their ancestors might have a problem, and they might take that milk thistle on a on a finite for a finite period of time, but not every day. Yeah, yeah. Because then the body loses its sensitivity to that very powerful and, and important uh, herb. Yeah. And so are there any other uh, substances that you like to, to, to support the liver and support healthy copper metabolism? Well, the, the other part of it that I really began to work with is, and I think that the image that I would create is, I think at the center of a, of a key triangle is copper bound to ceruloplasm. That's kind of the center of this triangle. And I think the three corners of the triangle have uh, optimal levels of magnesium, sulfur, and iodine. And it turns out that iodine plays a very key role in preparing the amino acids that are important for ceruloplasm function. That sulfur plays a very important role in helping to keep copper in proper balance. And magnesium plays a very important role in obviously warding off stress, but also in helping to produce 
ceruloplasm. So I don't have a, um, a go-to formula just yet, but that's where I'm going to focus in the coming years, really the optimal levels of magnesium, iodine, and sulfur to, to support the liver uh, function and support the overall um, production of proper regulation of copper and ceruloplasm in the body. Yeah, so let's talk about copper supplementation. Um, because naturally, if someone has a deficiency, uh, they likely need to supplement with copper. Um, but again, this is a delicate situation. Um, uh, can you just explain a little bit about your theory and your method behind copper, copper supplementation? Well, the, the, the big dividing line, certainly in the, in the hair world, hair testing world, is the slow versus the fast. And... Um, the fast oxidizer has a metabolic need for copper that's very different and distinct from the slow oxidizer. Uh, so that's that's sort of a no-brainer, is that, that very often you, when you see a fast oxidizer and you see that they have low copper, it's a very quick uh, step to recommend it, and they do feel better. And listeners, but, if you have no idea what we're talking about, on a hair mineral analysis, people are either a slow metabolizer or oxidizer or fast metabolizer or oxidizer. Right. And it, it has to do with the electrolyte patterns. But, but the, the important point is that copper in a fast oxidizer is really very um, beneficial. There's, um, I think there's inconsistency in how practitioners view uh, copper in a slow oxidizer. Uh, many practitioners are very cautious about it. Uh, almost to the point of saying, you know, avoid it like the plague. Um, but yet you have someone like um, Dietrich Klinghardt who feels very strongly that, that the body needs that copper uh, in order to restore its metabolism. And I think that's what what I'm suggesting with the um, homeopathic, to introduce the, the energy of the copper uh, in order to, to reawaken the body's ability to, to work with it. Um, I will... I don't always use copper supplementation for slow oxidizers, but I certainly encourage them to get it in their diet and get food, food-based forms of it. Uh, I'm still trying to work through what the implications are. And what I really focus on is not so much copper supplementation as is the liver supporting its proper uh, jobs of allowing the production of ceruloplasm. And making sure that the liver is doing its work, because I think the, the the function is so overlooked that we we tend to obsess on the mineral when in fact uh, the, the production of that protein is really what's key. And I think in the slow oxidizer, you can um, recommend the copper, but you want to make sure that their liver is able to properly support its uh, presence in the body. I think that's the key. And so, so when you say you recommend your clients eat uh, foods that are copper rich, uh, we talked a little bit about liver. Um, so, what kind of foods um, over and above liver? Uh, you know, the lamb liver, chicken livers, calf, uh, beef livers, etc. Um, what kind of other foods do you like them to be eating? Um, pumpkin seeds are really good. Um, good, very rich source, but it's also got good sources of magnesium and zinc too, which is nice to have that balance. Um, people love 
uh, chocolate, but not not cocoa, but cacao, great source of of copper. Again, in moderation. I don't dissuade people from um, having the um, nuts and the seeds, which are usually very rich in copper, like sunflower seeds or cashews and almonds. Uh, pecans are very rich in copper, but I think. People need to understand that I, I really do think there's a difference in how that copper manifests in the body from a, a vegetable source versus from an animal source. Um, the other thing that I think is, is key is making sure that there's things like um, good fat-soluble vitamins from butter or from cod liver oil or, or sources like that to enable the proper production of liver function to support the, the mineral. So again, it's, it isn't it isn't so much focusing on the mineral as, as much as focusing on the body's ability to work with that mineral. Yeah, it's, it's it's very different than a lot of the other minerals, I think. And so, as far as supplementation, like say someone is deemed to be copper deficient and they need to take copper, what is the fine line? Can you uh, supplement too much copper and then promote more copper toxicity? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is it is possible, and, and that's why I, I'm, I'm not as um, quick to supplement with copper as I am to get people to really significantly increase their intake of vitamin C, which has some copper in it. Really focus on retinol, which is going to allow the production of ceruloplasm. Make sure that they are supporting liver function, and see how the body responds to food-based forms of it before I would start pushing a copper supplement. Yeah. I, I just think it's, I think uh, you've got to be careful about um, overwhelming the body, but yet then we've got someone like a Leslie Clavey who's very clear that the human body needs supplemental copper. Now, he's quick to say food-based forms are good, but he's also very comfortable saying that people can benefit from supplemental copper. I don't have enough conviction yet around the, the fast versus the slow, and I, what I don't want to do is create um, more disruption, and that's why I tend to be very conservative and see how people respond in follow-up hair tests and blood tests before I start to, to address more aggressive patterns. Yeah, because um, too much copper can really drive the adrenal glands. It can really put that foot on the gas pedal and push them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they may not be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, and many people are already in adrenal fatigue, and it can exacerbate it if it's too much for that client. Exactly. And, so, yeah. and I think it's – the thing is the there are 30 essential min, uh, minerals – there are 15 that get examined on the hair test, uh, and they all have very important roles in the body. Um, many of them are relatively easy to restore. I think, for whatever reason, copper is the most complicated to restore because of its <clears throat> connection with so many other minerals and its central role in the metabolism of the human body. It is um, very easily goes into this dualistic state of too much and too little. And I think it's very um, challenging 
for the average person to, to size up their situation and solve it. And, and I'm a huge advocate of democratizing health and getting people to figure their, their situation out. But copper is one aspect that I think requires some guidance and ongoing support to make sure that they're not going to do more harm than good. And so when you do supplement copper, what form do you like to give or what brand? Um, well, after the, the whole food vitamin C and the liver, um, probably a turn to uh, either the standard process as a copper liver chelate, which is a very effective form. And that's extracted from actual livers. Uh-huh, Correct. exactly. And another option would be... Um, Trace Minerals has a great product. It's actually called Zinc. Uh, and it has, um, I believe it's 50 milligrams of zinc and 2 milligrams of copper and uh, 10 milligrams of magnesium and 3 milligrams of boron, which is a great combo product. Is that with the Albion Minerals? Um, you know? No, it's. I think it's Trace Minerals out of Salt Lake City. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah that's, that's a different Trace company. Minerals. Yeah. And then the other is um, uh, Solgar has a uh, combo zinc copper. I I think it's important that people not isolate copper away from zinc. I think it, more often, the vast majority of the ca- cases, people need both. Uh, the, the question would be, what's the concentration? But I, th- I think that um, there are some wonderful ways to get copper. And I always tend to focus more on the food-based forms before going to the supplemental. And so uh, the trace minerals, thats an I, those are ionic minerals, right? They're suspended in liquid? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So do you think those are as effective as like chelated minerals, et cetera? Oh, yeah. They just, no, they just work different? Yeah. It, ionic means it's immediately available for transaction. Okay. It's there. Chelation means that it's got to be broken down. Yeah. But, but it's a recognized amino acid, but still requires a metabolic step. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about zinc and how um, if you supplement with too much zinc, th- this can cause some issues with copper dis- copper dysregulation as well. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a whole other other topic. But I think people again are being conditioned that that zinc is good, copper is bad, and you can't get enough zinc. And I think people are are finding that they are creating a lot of issues. Um, I mean, there's no question there is a zinc deficiency. Why would we have half of America on proton pump inhibitors if people had enough zinc? So when we're under stress, what do we lose? Magnesium, zinc, and B vitamins. How do you make hydrochloric acid? Hmm. Magnesium, zinc, B1, and B6. Interesting. So the thing is, zinc is, is important, but this this um, mono mineral supplementation routine that we that we tend to fall prey to is very dangerous. I don't think we were designed to be isolating specific minerals per se, and I think that's where you know we can we can create as much harm as good when we start to to dwell on, on one side or the other. But we know that there are people like those that have they need zinc and B6 because of a, of a, 
um, well, it's, it's caused by too much copper, but, but the point is there are situations where you do need to up the zinc. But when I'm in a situation like that, I will only have the client take it for maybe six weeks, eight weeks max, and then retest to see how are they responding to it. This idea that I'm going to take zinc for the rest of my life, no, I don't think that's advisable. Um, I, I don't think the body needs that kind of ongoing uh, support. Yeah, and I think, you know, if, as long as you're eating red meat on a regular basis, a couple times a week, you know, once you've reestablished your stores of zinc with, you know, a little bit of supplementation, if you need it, that eating red meat and, and liver and other things can keep you replenished. Yeah, exactly. But it's different. And the, the biochemical makeup of each person is very different because of the uh, their familial patterns, their, the stressors that they've been under, the f- foods that they've been eating. And we have very different compositions inside. And you have to be very mindful of that. And I think you and I know that, as well as anyone who does hair tests, sees this very dramatic variation from client to client to client about how their mineral patterns get expressed. And that, that affects metabolic activity. Yeah, and so let's talk a little bit about how copper relates to hormone function. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, copper levels are tied to estrogens uh, in the body. So is it possible to uh, have low estrogen uh, and also have copper dysregulation? But let's first just talk about how copper relates to estrogen levels in the body. The... Hormones get made from enzymes. They don't. They don't come from Mars. And um, and an enzyme is a, a vitamin, an amino acid, and a mineral. And and I don't know the exact name of the enzyme that makes estrogen, but there is one. Um, but the mineral that makes that happen is copper. And so. There's a very high correlation between copper and estrogen, and we are being flooded with um, animal products where the animals have been goosed with estrogen for growth purposes, like taking chickens that produce full-blown breast tissue within six weeks. It's a little kind of frightening when you think about it, but that, that comes from those hormones but you can't do that without copper. And it turns out that um, estrogen is actually an antioxidant. And so I think part of the, the, the connection is that ceruloplasm, that we were talking about earlier, is also an antioxidant. Why, why is that important? Well, an antioxidant is preventing oxidation. What causes oxidation? Copper and iron and a few other elements in the body. And so you want to bind up those agents of oxidation. So when the body can't make um, the ceruloplasm, I think one of the backup mechanisms is to rely on estrogen as a way to bind up the copper. Because the body knows inherently that there's a, that it's under attack. It recognizes copper is a very significant player in the body. 
and this goes back through millions of years of programming. So it's going to do something. If it, if it can't make the ceruloplasm, it's got to do something to tie up the copper. And I think one of the things that, that the, what has happened in, in modern society is there's this increased production of estrogen to try to use up that copper to make it, um, to capture it and to prevent it from its oxidizing, oxidating qualities. Yeah, and that's why a lot of women that have copper IUDs and long-term use of birth control pills have pretty serious copper issues as a result. They have copper issues, and they and they also have pretty serious um, hormone issues. And the the there there are three elements that tend to run together in, in the body, and this comes out in the hair test. But I call them the. Um, my mind just went blank. Um, what do I call them? Oh, the three banditos. <laughs> they, they rob you of your health. And they are calcium, copper, and estrogen. And most people who have high calcium or high copper or high estrogen will have the other two. And they just have this very close metabolic relationship in the body. And the connection between copper and estrogen is is pretty clear. I don't have a good explanation for why the calcium is going to be high in that situation. Um, but the point is, it's very disruptive to the body to have excess estrogen, to have excess copper, and to have excess calcium. And it will rob you of your health. And oh, so, yeah, let's not forget bioidentical hormones as well. Exactly. Yeah, and so now people are fighting themselves with this exogenous form of, of a hormone which will disrupt mineral status. I see it all the time. And it's, and it's this thought that they can uh, either eat the hormone or rub it on their skin, and that's just another way of eating it, and not have it be disruptive to the body it doesn't make sense. And I, I recognize that a lot of people out there get benefit from progesterone creams. Well, what that really means is they're zinc deficient. And they'd probably get a lot more benefit out of getting, having more oils in their diet and having more uh, better balance between their zinc and copper and allowing the body to naturally make the progesterone than to be flooding the body with a, a synthetic uh, form that the body doesn't really recognize. Yeah, because zinc is a precursor to making progesterone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's what I encourage a lot of my clients is uh, if they're on bioidentical hormones to, you know, eventually wean off. I don't want anyone getting off their medications right away. And, of course, we want to do that in conjunction with their physician. But, uh, you know, and, it, and it, it, there's something to be said for for relieving really uncomfortable symptoms uh, with medications like this until – Natural means, mineral supplementation and balancing can work their magic and, uh, re- you know, completely eliminate the symptoms forever. Um, but like doing a program, uh, like Mind Mineral Power or like the program that you offer as well. Um, I think that it's extremely important to, uh, just correct the underlying balances rather than just flood the body with external hormones that don't work very well. Yeah. It's just, but the thing is, you you and I sound like luddites in the modern world because we're not we're not pushing 
bioidentical hormones. And I, I think they're one of the, I mean, Jonathan Wright is very proud of the fact that he was instrumental in the creation of bioidentical hormones. I think he did a major disservice to society by what he did. And I think he's a pretty cool guy. I think he's done a lot of really good things for for society with all of his um, nutritional research, but that was not one of them. Bioidentical hormones was a, a step in the wrong direction, I, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Morley, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add about copper dysregulation that perhaps we didn't touch on? The the only other one that I would mention, and it's sort of like dropping a bomb at the end of the conversation, but a lot of people are becoming um, well-versed in MTHFR and the the, uh, whole dynamic of transcription errors and SNPs and, and what they're being conditioned to believe is that it's a gene mutation. And maybe this is a topic for a follow-up conversation. But I would encourage people to understand that um, the methyl, the whole methylation process, which is the underpinning of MTHFR, but the methylation process requires between 150 to 200 methyltransferase enzymes. They perform, and what is what is a methyltransferase enzyme doing? It's turning a gene on or turning a gene off. That's really what it is. It's like a it's like a light switch. It turns it on, turns it off, and it requires a methyl group to do that. Well, I've always studied ten of these methyltransferase enzymes, like COMT or HNMT, and there are you know many many others. But the ten that I've studied, the MT stands for methyl transferase and in every case copper is essential in the functioning of that methyl transferase enzyme the whole creation of MTHFR requires copper and what I would encourage the listeners and your clients to be aware of is that there's a lot of psychodrama out there about MTHFR but at the, the foundation of it is missing minerals and to be very mindful of the fact that copper's missing, zinc is missing, magnesium is missing, B vitamins are missing, there are other essential minerals that might be missing, you know, particularly molybdenum or manganese or chromium or whatever. But don't suddenly think that you have a gene mutation when in fact you probably have a mineral deficiency particularly a copper deficiency that's at the very root of all of that methyltransferase activity. So, yeah. yeah. I think people think uh, they have a, a life sentence or something when they're diagnosed with a MTHFR mutation or other kind of SNP or gene copying error when, uh, in fact, to copy genes, you have to have minerals present and heavy metal and chemicals can interfere in that, that copying or transfer as well of the genes. So it's not a life sentence. You, you can do a program like this and, and heal uh, those gene mutations, those gene copying errors. Well, part of my research focus for um, 2015 is going to be looking at the enzymes that put the nucleotide proteins on the DNA. So it's, you know, it, there, there are only four you know, G-A-T-C, right? Yeah. And there's an enzyme for each one of them. 
And I'm being, I'm willing to bet that copper is somewhere in the mix of those nucleotide protein enzymes. I, and that's just a theory on my part, but I could be completely mistaken. But I have a feeling that there's a, a fundamental flaw in how those nucleotide enzymes are working because of missing minerals. And that's going to take some digging on my part. Yeah. Well, I would love to do a podcast on that, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, well well, Marley, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, that was just so interesting. And I hope that any of you guys out there who are listening, who are current clients of either Morley or I, um, I hope that clears up a little confusion. Perhaps it's created more, <laughs> more questions um, about the copper dysregulation issue. And we happily will welcome your questions. If you have more questions you want answered, we could perhaps do a follow-up show. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Morley? No, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Okay, great. Thank you for, thank you for the opportunity to, to share my, uh, my insights. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, The Starved Heart, and how magnesium feeds it? Yeah, i am uh, got four chapters done, six to go. Uh, my goal is to, by the grace of God, get it done in 2015. Uh, and it's really basically letting people know that much or the vast majority of what's behind heart disease is missing minerals, uh, not the least of which is magnesium. Uh, it's very easily lost to stress, as we've said. And the, the heart is actually a muscle. Muscles love energy. Energy is spelled M-G-A-T-P. And obviously copper is in there as well, but I'm going to uh, probably put the spotlight on, on the magnesium. And the goal is just to um, further... Uh, sharpen people's awareness of where is all this heart disease coming from? Well, it's coming from inside their heart muscle cells that are not being fed properly. That's really what, what it comes down to. And that's the, the focus of the book. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I love talking to you. I love reading your website. The, um, mag. What, what's your website name again? The Magnesium Advocacy Group. Yeah, what's the exact URL? That's what I was trying to think of. Um, it's, I think it's uh, Facebook groups slash magnesium advocacy. Okay. And what about your website? It's, it's... Oh, the website is um, uh, gotmag.org. Yeah, that's G-O- what it is, gotmag. Yeah, gotmag.org, <laughs> G-O-T-M-A-G.org. Yes. Yeah, and I love your Facebook group. Listeners, I absolutely encourage you to join the Magne- Magnesium Advocacy Group on Facebook. I can't say it. <laughs> can't pronounce it. Um, it's an amazing group. It's got 20,000 members. I learn in the group. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of amazing uh, health practitioners in the group. It's very, very active. And uh, Morley is in that group. You can ask him questions, get involved, and learn more about hair mineral analysis and the importance of minerals in your health. So I encourage you to join as well. Um, Morley, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything uh, else you want listeners to know about you or where they can find you? They can um, certainly reach out to me on, on Facebook. Uh, they can reach me, email is my first name, Morley, M-O-R-L-E-Y, at gotmag.org. Or if people want to give me a call, it's 847-922-8061. Wendy, what I learned is that if, if I give people lots of different ways to reach me, they're like, like oh, my God. I don't, I don't know if I want to, <laughs> so I love to, I love to give out my phone number because most people won't, won't call me. So yeah. <laughs> watch, watch, watch this be the one time when I'll get flooded with calls. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I want people to know I've never met a question I didn't enjoy. Yeah. And I really want 
be be there to help them. And uh, it's it's my delight to have this revival. I'm, it's like a, a renaissance for me. I'm living a life of Riley. I've never had so much fun in my life. And I'm happy to be able to ease the... Oh, there's a lot of suffering out there, as you know. And I'm happy to be able to help help uh, alleviate some of that. So it's, it's a real honor to do this. Well, thank you so much, Molly. I really appreciate being on the show and sharing your vast amount of knowledge and uh, and, and depth of knowledge the, to the listeners out there. So again, thank you for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to learn all about detoxification, the modern paleo diet, and all about how to heal your health conditions naturally, go check out my website, liveto110.com. You can learn more about my healing and detox program called Mineral Power at mineralpower.com. And say bye-bye, Jezebel. (laughs) Bye-bye. She had a wonderful time on the show today. So thank you for having us. And thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, please give me a uh, review on iTunes. Appreciate that so much. And again, thank you for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.